0: from Lower Marion High School, playing his final game in Boston, number 24, Kobe Bryant. I just wanted to start off this week's podcast by saying a few words about Kobe Bryant obviously a very tragic situation the fact that an nba icon his daughter and seven others lost their lives in a helicopter crash you know i i got the news when you know when i was in a restaurant and you could see like the shock over everyone's face when they when they found out and the fact that like TMZ reported it at first made it a little awkward, maybe made it a little untrue, and then everyone really started reporting it and I was on Twitter the whole time and you see the whole basketball community react to it. Everyone was affected by it in some way, shape or form. Obviously, you know, Kobe was a Laker, so I always like hated him just because, you know, you grow up being a Celtics fan, you hate the Lakers, you hate the players on the Lakers, and I don't think I ever booed a player more than Kobe Bryant. I mean, I saw Kobe play the Celtics in the garden over 20 times between, you know, they come once a year, the 08 finals, the 2010 NBA finals, and so on and so forth. But I loved watching Kobe play. I respected the living shit out of Kobe. I love the fact that he hated everyone that he played against. I love the Mamba mentality I loved the dad that, you know, he was becoming. And, you know, a lot of people kind of made a joke of the meme when Kobe and Gianna were at that Nets game a couple months ago. And now you can actually see that it was a learning moment for Gianna and many others. And I don't know. I, I cried when I found out that Kobe passed because I saw, I was able to see Jordan play. I was able to see Kobe play. I was able to see LeBron play. And out of those three, you could say Kobe was the third best, you know, Jordan being the first. But I wasn't young enough to really comprehend it. And LeBron's just, you know, been incredible. But it's really more than, like, about basketball. And I I can't even imagine what Kobe's family's going through. You know, I lost my dad out of the blue. And it and it was crushing, but to also lose a sibling at the same time or a daughter at the same time is absolutely unbelievable. But I just wanted to say thank you, Kobe. And I enjoyed watching you play basketball. I always wanted your sneakers. You know, I never wanted your jersey, but your crazy eight Adidas sneakers were awesome. NBA, uh, Kobe Bryant's NBA courtside was always a uh, a great game, you know, on Nintendo 64 that I had that I played, and uh, just, I don't know, I feel like, you know, all jokes aside, I cried when Aaliyah died, because that was like my first crush, but to see Kobe Bryant pass an absolute icon, like throughout the entire world, is just absolutely heartbreaking, and he made the Celtics-Lakers rivalry better than what it what everyone thinks it is, he made it better. So, I just wanted to say rest in peace, Kobe. Rest in peace, Gianna. And rest in peace to the other seven people that were on that helicopter. Just absolutely tragic. And let's, uh, let's start episode 66 of the Banner Branch podcast. You know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Pierce. Pierce. Tatum. Drives down and throws it down! This is my answer, that's the answer you have me! What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number sixty-six of the Banner Branch Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? Uh, the Celtics go three and one this week. Not too shabby, huh? Uh, they beat the Lakers one thirty-nine to one hundred seven, which was friggin' awesome. Absolutely awesome, beating the living snots out of the Lakers. But it's just weird to like. Be so hyped about it, about what happened uh, with Kobe over the weekend. Uh, They beat the Memphis Grizzlies, 119-95. They get a solid win over the Orlando Magic, 109-98. And then they lose to the Pelicans out of New Orleans, 123-108. Currently, they are in second place in the Atlantic Division. They're a game and a half behind the Raptors and a game up on the 76ers. And they're currently the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. They are a game and a half back of the Raptors and the Heat for the two seed and they are one game away from the sixth seed. So big game tonight against the Miami Heat down in Miami. And if you know if they win that game, next thing you know, they could be a half game out of the second seed. But if they lose They could be a half game out of the sixth seed. So this is kind of a a big game for the Celtics and actually a big week for the Celtics as well. And I know I say that every week, but I, I swear to God with how tight the Eastern Conference standings are, I feel like every week's a big week. You know, right now, the Miami Heat are in second. They're a game and a half behind them so they could gain ground. And then on Saturday, they're playing the Philadelphia 76ers, who are currently the sixth seed that they're one game up on. So the Seventy Sixers could gain ground this week as well. So a lot to think about when it comes to the situation with the Boston Celtics. Let's just uh, get right into it with the Lakers game. Absolutely wild little night at TD Garden. Uh, I mean, I was ear to ear smiling. I haven't been this happy about a win in a in a pretty long time. Like sure, we beat the Seventy Sixers and we beat the Net. You know the the Bucks and blah 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 blah. But to destroy the Los Angeles Lakers is always, always so much fun. Kemba finally got his first win against LeBron James. Kemba Walker in his career going into this game was 0 and 28 against LeBron James. Anytime you played LeBron James, whether it was on the heat, the Cavs, um, the Cavs again, (laughs) the Lakers, he has never beat him. And I'm really glad that he did. And then one league um not one week later like less than a week later he finds out that he's going to be the starter for the NBA All-Star team in the Eastern Conference and I couldn't be happier for Kemba. Kemba has really brought a good positive awesome vibe into the locker room, into the Celtics nation like lifestyle if you will. I feel like a lot of people are just happy with the team versus being stressed about the team. I mean, obviously I've been very stressed the way they've been playing over the last month, but He's always smiling, he always says the right things, and I really appreciate that about Kemba. And I'm glad he made the team over Kyrie Irving. You know, you can we can debate all day. Should it have been Jimmy Butler or Trey Young? You know, blah, 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 blah. We're not going to. We're just gonna focus on Kemba. I'm really glad that he made the team. And it it was just a I feel like a really good week for Kemba Walker. Um, not only did Kemba need this win against the Celtics. I mean, uh, against the Lakers, but I feel like the Celtics did too. I mean, just a huge confidence booster with how poorly they've been playing lately. They came out, it it got, <laughs> it started ugly real quick. I'm pretty sure the Lakers scored within like the first like two seconds. That alley from LeBron James to uh, JaVale McGee was pretty pretty crazy. And then the Celtics missed a couple shots, and it was you're like, oh god, they were down like what was it eight nothing, ten nothing, really quick, and. <sighs> it was just so frustrating. And Gordon Hayward hit this like long I think it was like two or three feet back from the top of the, from the top of the three point line. He stuck a three and that kind of helped the Celtics kind of get into it. And then I really believe when Hayward gets going, everyone else gets going because it spreads the defense out. Cause now you're like, Oh, if Gordon Hayward's missing shots, we can focus on someone else. We can put more pressure on Kemba, more pressure on Tatum, more pressure on Brown, whatever the case may be. But when Gordon Hayward gets going, and the the strong start that he had once everyone really started going, I think that really helped the Celtics out a great deal. But most importantly, fire and ice, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum finally showed up in a big game, and it was awesome to see. They combined for 47 points, 14-27 from the field. They both played terrific defense. They each had a couple steals. 17 points from Tatum in the first half, with most of it coming in the second quarter, was great. He also did that in the Memphis Grizzly game before he strained his groin. And we'll talk about that in a second too. But Tatum made some huge shots. Brown had that dunk on LeBron, which was really, really cool. And I understand that maybe when you actually think about the entire game itself, you would say Jalen's dunk was better than Jason Tatum's dunk in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think overall, the actual plays itself, which one was more impressive It was Jason Tatum's dunk in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Which one are we probably going to remember more or want to remember more? It'll probably be Jalen Brown's dunk. (laughs) Because, obviously, the Celtics lost that Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think they scored like more than five points after all that happened. I feel like everyone went cold. Everyone got too hyped. But the Jalen Brown dunk on LeBron was awesome. They won that game. So we'll probably remember that a little more. Speaking of Jalen Brown... I loved how aggressive he was in this game. He was attacking the rim. I felt like he was confident that like, if he missed it, it was okay because Ennis Cantor was there. Ennis Cantor was fantastic in this game. Ennis Cantor ended up with a double double, 18, 18, 19 points. I don't know if he got 20, but if I'm trying to remember correctly, I think he got like 18 points, 11 rebounds. He was a monster in this game. Whether KD was 100% or not, because it was KD. Uh, KD AD, Anthony Davis, whether he was 100% or not, it was his first game back from his back strain. I mean, I was really impressed with Cantor's pick-and-roll defense. Felt like the Lakers really couldn't attack him, which I feel like a lot of NBA teams have figured out how to do that because we all know Ennis Cantor is not a great pick-and-roll defender, but they did a great job with, with. I don't know if it was like the team defense overall or Cantor like really upping his game. It, it could be both. But Cantor's defense, Cantor's rebounding, Cantor's scoring in the post, he went up against McGee, he went up against Davis, he went up against Dwight Howard, it didn't matter. He was a monster in this game. The Celtics, and the, the great thing was the Celtics started hitting some threes in the third, and that really kind of blew out the game and extended it and the Celtics shot 16 of 34 from three which is something that they didn't do down in New Orleans I mean they only shot 24 percent from three down in New Orleans and then they almost shoot 50 percent here in this game they beat the Lakers and it was really cool and you know as much as you want to say Tatum was the MVP of the game or Jalen Brown was the MVP of the game I thought it was Ennis Cantor and because of that let's get right into an episode of Cantor Band. <laughs> Who loves to get a double-double But when it comes to the Turkish government He's in a lot of trouble It's time for Cancer to baby Wow! So after the Lakers game, you're like, all right, we got the Grizzlies next, should be an easy win. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I was like, I don't want these guys' egos to get too crazy, thinking they could beat anyone in the world, and then come out flat and give another piss, you know, like another piss-out performance. I don't know why I just said piss-out. I don't even know what that means. I I should have just said another pissy performance, like another performance. But they didn't. The Celtics won another game by almost 30 points. It would have been, I was reading something, if they did win by 30 points, it would have been the first time since like 1988. Was that? Yeah, it was like 1988 since the last time that they won back-to-back games by 30 points. But with that being said, Tatum had another all-star performance in the first three quarters of this game. He strained his groin in the third quarter, and he has not played since. I think he's okay to play. We can debate. Well, when we talk about the Pelicans game, we can debate whether or not, you know, Tatum's groin was the issue that he didn't play or just the fact that, you know, he was so close to Kobe and just like a lot of other players were in the NBA. But Jason Tatum had a great game, especially in the first half. He scored 21 out of his 23 points in the first half. He was really, really good. And Kemba didn't play that well, but Marcus Smart and Brad Wanamaker kind of played well and kind of backed him up. Wanamaker hasn't played well for a pretty long stretch. Obviously, you know, someone like Brad Wanamaker, you don't expect him to be super consistent, but I wasn't expecting him to be so hot and cold. Obviously, I feel like the first six weeks of the season, Brad Wanamaker played very, very well. He was a huge part of why the Celtics went on that. What did they win, like 10 games in a row, 10, 11, 12 games in a row, whatever the case may be. And they had that really hot start. It was because of someone like Brad Wanamaker coming off the bench and playing very well. He sucked in December and plain English, but he's been playing pretty well of late. And this was one of those games where, where he did that. The Celtics were only up two after one quarter. And then you were like, okay, maybe they can come out hot in the second quarter. But then they got down seven and you're like, oh no, what, what, what's happening? This isn't good at all. And then Jason Tatum decided to go off, and the Celtics went on a twenty-three to zero run. And going into the third, and by like the end of the third quarter, it was a sixty-four to twenty-one run that they went on. They just absolutely just beat the living piss out of the Grizzlies in every aspect of the game: rebounding, defense, offense, shooting the ball, not allowing second chance points. You name it. Jason Tatum, even though he had twenty-three points. My biggest thing with Tatum's jump this year, and I've said it before, is his defense. His defense has been absolutely outstanding this year. It has improved so much, even more than his offensive game. Sure, we can talk about how Jason Tatum's step-back threes have skyrocketed percentage-wise, but Jason Tatum's defense has been great, and he d up Ja Morant who you could argue is the rookie of the year this year. And he had no problem doing it. John Morant was not very good in this game, especially in the first half. And I fully believe it was because of Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum did a great job. The Grizzlies tried to switch thinking, you know, Hey, we'll put Marcus smarter, Kemba Walker on him, And then we'll set a screen with, you know, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Or Brandon Clark, whatever the case may be. and, We'll, we'll we'll put Tatum on him and Tatum did a great job defensively made him take some terrible shots made him you know make that extra pass it, that he usually probably wouldn't have so bravo to Jason Tatum there and speaking of Brandon Clark Brandon Clark I know he was a minus 24 but most of the players on the Grizzlies were in the minuses big numbers but we're not going to worry about plus minus we're going to worry about the fact that he played 22 23 minutes he was four of six from the field he scored seven points and he looked good out there he looked healthy unlike romeo langford anyways uh marcus smart remember last week how i was complaining about marcus smart and his stupid cute little passes that he always does well he brought those back but this time they actually worked marcus smart had some great assists in this game he really did (laughs) couple over the head and behind the back Marcus Smart's behind the back pass In the Lakers game to Ennis Cantor, I have never been so angry and then so satisfied within a two-second span in my entire life. When he put that ball behind his back, I was like, what are you doing? And then Cantor put it in, and I was like, what a great pass! If you know me well enough, I'm I'm sure you could recognize me uh, flipping out and doing that. But not really a lot to talk about with the Grizzlies game, minus the fact that Tatum played well on both ends of the floor. And the Celtics went on a huge run, and then the the Grizzlies were just shook after that. But as much as I was thrilled, happy, pumped, you you name it, about the Lakers game, I think the best win of the week for the Celtics was Friday night in Orlando against the Magic. The Celtics had a really nice start to this game, and then you're like, okay, we got this. But then you actually stopped and said to yourself, do we, though? Because Jalen Brown's not playing. With an ankle sprain. Jason Tatum's not playing with the groin. Canter's out with a hip flexor. And then no Time Lord. And hopefully we get the Time Lord back after the All-Star break. But we'll see. But unlike the Grizzlies game, where you're like, okay, they're winning at the end of the first quarter. Just like the Grizzlies game. Have another strong second quarter. And we got this. But the Celtics, instead of seeing themselves down six, I mean uh, seven, like they were in the Grizzlies game in the second quarter, they were down 16 A terrible second quarter, especially that they came out super flat. But Kemba Walker was like, "Nope, I got this." And I believe he scored 19 points in the second, 17 or 19 points in the second quarter. And it, it, to be honest with you, it literally looked like a Charlotte Hornets game over the last like eight years. It was just like Kemba put the whole team on his back. He was going to take every single shot. He didn't care about anyone else, and he was going to will them to victory. And that's exactly what happened. It was great to see Kemba be able to step up in the second quarter. And then in the third quarter, Gordon Hayward, he hit some threes, he got some nice easy layups, made some great passes, and he rebounded the absolute piss out of the basketball. Gordon Hayward led the team with 14 or 15 rebounds in this game. His rebounding was incredible. I know a lot of people, you know, expect the $32 million man to score 25 points a game and have seven boards and six assists. But Gordon Hayward did so many little things right in this game where, sure, maybe the money didn't stack up, but the Celtics got this win. Sure, because Kemba Walker absolutely went off, but they also got this win because Gordon Hayward did everything else to make sure that this team got a win. For real, I'm being like dead serious. They were absolutely fan Gordon was so good in this game. Sure, he missed 10 shots, and you probably wish he made a couple more threes. But for him to be a plus 12, 22 points, 5 assists, 14 boards, a steal, he was great. Yes, Kemba scored 37 points on 23 shots. He had 6 assists. Kemba's defense was also great in this game as well. I thought he did a really, really, really good job pressuring... Fultz, I mean, Fournier went off and did his thing, but I was expecting that. Fournier always goes off. But I was also really impressed with Javante Green and Grant Williams G- off the bench. We always complain about we need a little spark off the bench. The Celtics bench is really not ideal. It's not. Smart and can- If this team's fully healthy, smart and canter are fine pieces. But some teams, you know, like the Bucks, they can go nine, ten deep you're as Celtics fans you're confident with like six or seven deep you know and that's not ideal but Javante Green played some great defense he was a good spark off the bench he had a sick dunk where he was being chased down I forget who was chasing him down I think it was Terrence Ross and he just kind of it looked like he almost went like under the rim to dunk it to go around the block but obviously it was kind of like an optical illusion he just kind of dunked it in front, but the way he moved his body, but he is such a great dunker. He also stole the ball and had another fast break dunk as well. Grant Williams hit three three three-pointers in this game, which is still so bizarre to me. He he started off so poorly, and I think now he's like a 25% three-point shooter, which, again, not great, but at the same time, if he is wide open... In the corner, which is obviously the shortest distance. Kind of like Shemi Like Shemi Ojale is a good corner three-point shooter. He showed that a couple times in the Pelicans game. But if Grant Williams wants to take wide-open three-pointers, like I'm talking wide-open, where he can set himself, maybe not overthink it too much and shoot it. It's not ideal, but I'll accept it. Especially if it goes in, right? (laughs) So um, overall, this Celtics game is the type of game this team needs to learn how to win. If Jalen's off or Tatum's off, to have the veteran guys of Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, and a couple guys off the bench step up to really kind of fill other people's roles when either they're out hurt or not performing that well, this was a great win. This was a gritty win. This was a tough, hard win. This is one of those wins where... I know I mentioned last week where I was like, oh, I hate how people are just like, hey, the Celtics lost, but they fought hard. Congratulations on fighting hard, guys. This was one of those games where I was like, no, congratulations on fighting hard. You guys worked your asses off. You guys had two starters out, two of your biggest bench guys out, like literally, like figuratively, like biggest guys, Cantor and Time Lord out, and they absolutely dominated and it was it was really great to see. They didn't let the magic get back into the game. I know the magic cut it down to like 3 with maybe about like 2 minutes left, but they didn't they didn't let them in. Let's talk about the Pelicans game. The Pelicans game was one of the weirdest games of all time. The Smoothie King Center is awesome. The people there are so nice. It was a great time had by all. But this game was weird. It was bizarre it was uncomfortable to watch. It was uncomfortable to like see what was going on in that arena. But Kobe Bryant died like four hours earlier. I really thought that they were going to cancel the game. I really and truly did. The entire NBA community was shook. I honestly think they would have canceled the game if it wasn't for that Rockets Nuggets game that started two thirty in the after or three thirty in the afternoon. If that game didn't start till six, like the, the Celtics and Pelicans game I really think they would have canceled the games and the tribute that the Smoothie King Center did for Kobe was awesome they did a 24.8 moment of silence for Kobe Bryant because his numbers were 8 and 24 and both teams dribbled out the ball for 24 seconds to start the game out and it was it was tough to watch I mean, I don't know for some odd reason like I'm still pretty shook about like this Kobe thing. Like I hated Kobe so much, but I respected him so much. You know, you know it's kind of like a man tooth and burgundy and anchorman. You know, I hate you, but goddamn, do I respect you. And it's just so sad what happened. And it's absolutely insane to see how many people were affected by this. I mean, you look at the Pelican side of the ball: Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. We're all part of the Lakers organization. I'm sure they all had conversations with Kobe. We all understand that, you know, LeBron basically pushed him out the door, and it was obviously for good reason. He got Anthony Davis, but so many people were affected by it. I mean, Jason Tatum spent all of his, you know, his summer going into his second season with Jason Tatum. So many Lakers fans, I mean, so many Celtics fans are mad that he turned Tatum into something we didn't want Tatum to be, but all tatum wants to be is kobe bryant he loved kobe bryant he the reason why he picked up a basketball was because of kobe bryant so it was just a we you could just sense it was just a weird vibe in that building no one really wanted to play the game It the game started off really ugly i think like each team missed like you know four or five shots each i mean it was it was pretty bad but Going into this game, Jalen Brown was playing. Cantor was out, Time Lord was out, and Jason Tatum was out too. And I fully believe Jason Tatum's healthy enough to play. I think he's going to play tonight against the Miami Heat. But Tatum was so close to Kobe that I really think that he didn't play because of the reason why Kyrie Irving didn't play. Kyrie Irving didn't play because of how close he was to Kobe. It was literally he didn't play for personal reasons. When the Nets played the Knicks, and I fully believe that was the same situation here. The Celtics in this game, they couldn't shoot. They couldn't rebound, they couldn't play defense, and they couldn't stop following. The Celtics shot 24% from three, the Pelicans 44%. The Celtics got 37 rebounds, the Pelicans got 54 rebounds. The Celtics had 29 fouls, some of them were ticky-tack, and then 21 fouls for the Pelicans. They they really couldn't do anything right. Hayward played well here and there, and Jalen also played well here and there, like in little spurts, but they didn't play well together when they are all on the floor. They didn't each have like a full... 48 minutes where they actually played some pretty good basketball which was I think one of the more frustrating parts about this entire game you know sure you could look at the box score and look at Jalen's numbers and look at Gordon's numbers and be like oh but you know Hayward scored 23 points and Jalen Brown scored 20 and Kemba scored 35 but it just didn't like all come together you know like Marcus Smart he missed like 10 shots i think he only hit, hit like one three pointer the bench didn't even give us more than 10 points yeah I, I to be honest with you i don't even know if they got to 10 points to be honest with you and it was it was crazy to see that the Celtics best lineup the Celtics were down 20 at halftime and then they decided to chip away that's all you could say was keep chipping keep chipping keep chipping and the Celtics' best lineup in that game was Kemba Walker, Shemmy Ojale, Carson Edwards, Vincent P and Javante Green. That was the team that chipped away at the lead and got it down to 10 going into the fourth quarter. And then they kind of got it down to four, maybe five, and then Brad started bringing in the starters, and then Zion came back out, and that was it. To be honest with you, that Kemba, Shemmy Ojale, Carson Edwards, Vincent Pley, and Javante Green lineup, I hope I never see it again. I've never felt so uncomfortable watching the Celtics play this year because I was like, what? Uh, who? Uh, if they're going to double-team Kemba, who else is going to score? Like Carson Edwards hasn't played in a really long time. Javante Green had another solid, like, nice game, especially defensively. Shemi is sh- night and day, and play has not been great this season, to say the least, which is upsetting to me. But Zion Williamson. What a thick young man. Oh, my God. He is large, in charge, and thick. Thick, thick, thick. (laughs) Like, he is something else to see. He really and truly is. And especially in, in like, oh, man, in person, thick. Thick, thick, thick. Like, absolutely crazy. Zion Williamson, 27 minutes. The most he's played so far in his career. I really think the Pelicans said, screw the minutes restriction. Let's win this game. And that's what they did. 21 boards. I'm sorry, 21 boards. 21 points, 11 boards. Grant Williams did block Zion. And they called a foul on him, and I don't believe it. He fully blocked him, and that blew my mind, but that was a thing. But Zion Williamson is very good. Zion Williamson does a lot of things great. The Pelicans had a great out-of-bounds play for that alley-oop. He rebounds the ball very well. And I said it all the time when I was watching him at Duke, because we all know that I'm a huge Duke Blue Devil fan and I'm really excited to see Duke next week play at Boston College but Zion's second jump is unbelievable it really is the fact Zion can jump notice that a ball was missed of his own and then how quick he can get up again to get the ball is unbelievable I have never seen anything like it I saw it all the time watching at Duke you see it all the time in this game but it was unbelievable to actually see that it it's so insane to me that a kid that big can jump and then land and then jump up again so fast and get to a ball so quickly. It was absolutely unbelievable. No one could guard him. They put Marcus Smart on him. He was physical with him. Um, but <laughs> he Zion's just unbelievable, man. He really and truly is. Obviously, a tough game for the Celtics. A tough game for everyone who's playing in that game, and for the NBA community. Just a a really, really, just, it was a crappy game. And the Celtics played like crap, and it showed, and they lost 123-108. to But let's uh, get into this upcoming week for the Boston Celtics. First, the Miami Heat in Miami, which is now going to be at 8 p.m. tonight instead of 7 p.m. due to the Lakers and Clippers game being canceled slash postponed. I think that's the right thing to do for the NBA. I'm sure everyone in the Lakers organization is absolutely shook about what happened i saw some of the ticket prices for this game like last row balcony was going for over 1900 dollars to see the clippers and the lakers play and it was it's a lakers home game so obviously it'd be a crazy tribute so um lebron he passed Kobe Bryant for third overall in scoring in the NBA and literally talked to Kobe Bryant on Sunday morning. So I can't even imagine what LeBron's going through throughout this process. Absolutely crazy. But the Celtics also have two home games this week, minus being on the road tonight versus the Miami heat. Uh, they play the golden state warriors at 8 PM. I don't think that game's going to be on TNT to be honest with you, because obviously Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond green, uh, if, Stephen Clay were playing, then sure, it would probably be a much better game, but since the Warriors have the worst record in the NBA, probably not going to be the best game to watch. And then uh, Saturday night, a late one. 8.30 start at TD Garden against the Philadelphia 76ers. Of, you know, of course, I can tell you how important the Heat and the 76ers games are and how unimportant the Celtics and, War, uh, the Celtics and Warriors game isn't, but I'm going to be beat it down into your brain to let you know how important tonight's game is against the Heat and how super important Saturday night's game is. I don't want to be swept by the Philadelphia 76ers. I hate the Philadelphia 76ers. If we if we go 3 and 1 against them and we can get a win and expand ourselves in the standings from them, I'm all for it. This is a like after this, the Celtics play the Hawks twice and then the Magic. And then before the All-Star break, they play the Thunder who Have been playing very well, the Rockets and the Clippers. Not easy games. So it would be nice to go on a little bit of a three game win streak, go down to Atlanta, get a win, beat the Magic again. If we can, if we can, how many games do we have until the All Star break? Six, seven, nine. If we can go six and three, seven and two over these last nine games for the All Star break, which the All-Star break, like the weekend starts on the 14th and everyone starts playing again on the 21st. But uh, that would be really nice. That would be really nice if we can only lose like two of these games. So let's let's see if it can happen. But before I start previewing the games this week, um, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to do a stud and dud of the week, but I'm going to predict who I think the stud and dud of the week are going to be next week. And you know, just to keep everyone on their toes let's let's switch it up a little bit and let's hope that it works out. So here it is your stud and dud predictions of the week at the music and now it is time for the Celtic stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your prediction of who is going to be the stud and dud of the week on episode 67. I'm going to predict the stud is going to be Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward is going to have two 20-point games and three games with double-doubles. Gordon Hayward's rebounding has been very good lately and has been very important to this team, especially in that Magic game without having Cantor or Brown or Jalen or Jason, I meant, because Brown and Jalen are the same person. Uh, He stepped up big time. You know, Cantor averages like 7 or 8 boards a game, if not more. Tatum and Brown, I mean, the three of them combine easily on average combined for 20 rebounds. And Gordon Hayward got 14 of those in that Magic game, and that is going to be the key. He's going to have two 20-point games. His scoring's going to step up a great deal. I don't know which games. I'm I'm not trying to dive that deep, but two 20-point games in all three games this week, they'll be double-doubles. The dud is going to be Marcus Smart. His shooting has taken a bit of a dive. He was 3 of 13 against the Pelicans, 1 of 7 from 3, also in that game. And I know he's got a hurt ankle, and I know that probably doesn't help pushing off, you using your legs, etc., etc. But I think the dud's going to be Marcus Smart. I think we're going to kind of maybe be back. I'm so up and down with Marcus with Marcus Smart. I mean last week he was the stud. Because of how well he shot the ball. And obviously I jinxed it. So I'm hoping maybe this reverse jinx will work. And he actually becomes the stud. Instead of the dud. But with that ankle thing. And how confident he has been lately. I really think that we're going to be disappointed. With the way Marcus Smart shoots the ball this week. In these, up, in these upcoming games. The Heat game. The Miami Heat game. 8 o'clock. Down in Miami. Tonight. Be a tough one. Especially for the young kids. You know what are the young kids going through? Are they going out having a great time down in Miami? Are they still grieving over Kobe? What's the issue? Bam Adebayo Yes, that's right. Bam Adebayo got his third career triple-double last night against the Orlando Magic. So that's a good thing that we're playing the Heat again on the second night of a back-to-back. If you guys remember that December 4th game at TD Garden, the Heat also played the night before. Sure, it wasn't back-to-back home games like this, but they still played last night. Uh Bam Adebayo, 20 points, 10 boards, 10 assists. He needs to be a triple uh, a triple double. <laughs> he was a triple double last night. He needs to be an all-star. He has been absolutely fantastic. Jimmy Butler has carried this Miami Heat team to the second seed right now in the Eastern Conference, but the second best player on this team is Bam. He has been unbelievable. He's so good, he's so talented. He has grown up so much in the NBA. And he's been doing an unbelievable job. And speaking of an unbelievable job, the Celtics need to do an unbelievable job defensively against him. The last time they played in December, he only scored eight points. So that has to continue. Cantor doesn't look like he's going to be playing, so obviously that's going to hurt. So Tice and Grant Williams and others really need to step up and keep him off the boards. Keep him from not scoring. Because we all know that Jimmy Butler is going to get his. Jimmy Butler should be the starter in, in the All-Star game over Trey Young. I've said that a million times, but Jimmy Butler is a problem. Jimmy Butler has like that mama mentality. He never gives up. He gets after it every single game, and I respect the living shit out of Jimmy Butler. The last time these two, these two teams played at TD Garden in December, he scored 37 points on 18 shots. He gets buckets when needed, and if not... Bam gets them, and if not, they also have Nunn and Robinson and Hero and Drogic and Winslow, and they recently got Dion Waters back, or Dion Waters, Dion Waiters back. He's been, you know, hurt, suspended the whole nine. His first game back, he scored 14 points in 18 minutes for them. He is instant offense when he can get going. He didn't play in that December game against the Heat, so keep an eye on there. I think a big key to this game... I know it's going to sound super generic and basic, but starting out strong, it's going to be a big thing for this team. They were down eight at the end of one, and then they went and outscored the Heat by 16 points in the second quarter the last time these two teams played. So I think getting off to a hot start and keeping that foot on the pedal against a team like this because the Heat have a bunch of dogs in their teams. They really do. They're not going to give up because that's not how Jimmy Butler plays. Jimmy Butler brings his team to an an entire different level. So I respect the living piss out of Jimmy Butler. This is not going to be an easy game for the Celtics. This is going to be a game where you're going to be frustrated that if the Celtics lose, because if you're going to make it far in the playoffs, you're going to have to beat a team like this in the Miami heat. And this is going to be a tough team to beat in a seven game series. Absolutely. Then we have the warriors game. Just don't lose to them. Like, please. They're the worst team in the NBA. The Celtics have played down to their opponents as of late. They've recently uh, traded Willie Cauley Stein to the oh my god, the Dallas Mavericks because of Dwight Powell's terrible Achilles injury. Hopefully, we I wish him a speedy recovery. He's been fantastic this year for the Mavericks, but obviously you have to keep an eye on on eric pascal and marquise chris on the boards those are two guys that love getting after the boards and if Cantor's not back in time for this game obviously everyone's gonna have to step step up collectively and rebound the ball very well keep an eye on alec burke off the bench for them glenn robinson the third which the celtics have been rumored to be interested in he would be a nice piece off the bench that can score the ball he scores a reasonable amount of points for the warriors he's hot and cold though but he can score once he gets going. And then of course D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell. I when was it? Against the was it against the Pacers last Friday? He scored like thirty-seven points. He's he's really good. Uh, obviously when he's the number one guy, he can obviously do the damn thing and score. And then finally we have the 76ers game. Um I'll keep this short and sweet. Just get a win. Don't get swept by them. Please, for the love of God, thanks so much. Like get on on their shooters. Don't let Horford dominate you again. Get back to your old defensive way against Simmons. Remember last year and the season before that, whenever we played the 76ers, you weren't worried about Ben Simmons because the defensive strategy that they had with Ben Simmons was incredible. He would score like single-digit points. He would do all of his other things. He'd get rebounds, get assists, but just get back to that. (laughs) Just find a way to get back to that defensive strategy that you had against Ben Simmons, and obviously get back on defense when he gets the ball because he is unbelievable in transition and step in front of him. Hopefully get a charge call. He's very sneaky on getting around the defender, so you can get a blocking call versus off as some charge. So make that happen. The bench has to outplay their bench. Don't let Thibault get in get up in Kemba's grill. Kemba had has always had some issues in all three games so far when Thibault was defending him, and I'm expecting big games from Marcus Smart jalen brown and gordon hayward it's a must please don't get swept by the 76ers please don't do it you're gonna to have to rebound the ball get out on their shooters don't let simmons run on transition and you guys should be able to get a win and hopefully go three and zero this week or at least two and one this week so you don't you know start january as a two seed and then by the end of january you're the sixth seed really not uh, a great look overall but that is it for episode 66 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh sorry that it was out a day later. Um Yeah, it I I honestly like couldn't record the podcast yesterday. It it yeah, I I I just couldn't do it. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Bannerbanter Podcast. Episode sixty-seven will be out on Monday of next week. I'll probably record it after the Super Bowl. If you're asking me who's going to win the Super Bowl, I have no idea. I really don't care, but it should be a fun game overall. Looking forward to another exciting week of Boston Celtics basketball. We'll talk to you guys soon. My thoughts and prayers, again, go out to Kobe, Gianna, the entire Bryant family, and all the others that were lost because it is still as tragic as it is with Kobe. It's also extremely tragic for all those other people that lost their lives too. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.